Neil Brown just has that it factor, I believe. He's like, called into the program. Everybody in the Big 12 is going to know his name, and all the quarterbacks are going to feel his pain. That underdog so, mentality has always been big for West Virginia. We're just heartbroken that we were not good at our jobs. He is the modern-day Don Nealon. Trust the climb. And now it's time for the Country Roads webcast. What's going on, Mountaineer Nation? Welcome into the Oklahoma Reaction live stream. I'm here to talk about the heartbreaking 16 to 13 loss in Norman uh, yesterday. Uh, West Virginia, you know, never trailed. They let it, you know, for the full 60 minutes. Let it or was tied for the full 60 minutes, and you know. Uh, lose the lead on the final play with the clock at zero. So, you know, West Virginia never trailed in the game, but uh, ends in a loss. So kind of a funky stat there. And it was kind of a, a funky game all around, I think. And, you know, I think as Mountaineer fans, um, sadly kind of used to the heartbreak that we uh, experienced in that one. But, man, that one, that one still hurt, knowing that you were so close to the highest ranked win on the road in school history, you know, never beating a top five team. And you were right there. You were right there for um, having a second consecutive win over a top 15 team for the first time since 1993. Uh, tough pill to swallow, but, you know, I think two months ago, three months ago, preseason, if I was to tell you, West Virginia was to stay within three points of Oklahoma and, you know, never trail in the game, that uh, you would probably take that as a Mountaineer fan, but Nevertheless, West Virginia falls to 2-2, two 0-1 and two, oh and one in Big 12 conference play, and uh, we're here to break it all down, let some people hopefully roll in soon. But in the meantime, Stephen, uh, just me and you tonight, Bradley, uh, unfortunately at work. I just now made it back from work, but uh, let's hear some of your opening thoughts on uh, the loss to Oklahoma. Uh, well, initially uh, I was heartbroken, you know, as, as was everybody else, I'm sure. Uh, but you know, as I've gotten time to think about it and 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 digest everything that happened in the game, uh, yeah, it is. You know, it's it's a very tough pill to swallow uh, when you think about how close we were to winning this game. But in the end, I think, like you said, you know, if you would have told me two months ago if this would have been, you know, West Virginia would have held this close at, in Norman, Oklahoma, in a night game with this team, I would have told you, you know, you were crazy. And, you know, and that was even with how good I expected West Virginia to be going into this season. Um, so, you know, as hard as I've been on, you know, all, you know, the whole offense as a whole, you know, other than Letty Brown uh, throughout the first three weeks, I, I think that I've seen a lot of growth and a lot of maturity in this team um, in in this football game, man. And I really do think that West Virginia has the potential to to make a real run at the Big 12 title game and and I'm not just saying that. I, I really West Virginia. I mean, people can bash Jerry Deggy all they want. And they can blame him and Neil Brown, and say that that's the reason West Virginia lost this football game. But I mean, realistically, West Virginia lost this football game because as you know, it came down to discipline. If you fix a you know, even one penalty, I would say two to three. But even if you just fix one penalty, um, and specifically, I'm talking about the one when we're on the half yard line, and then you get you know uh, a false start on Parker Moore. Letty Brown was in the end zone. We were going to score. You 100%. take that away. We're, that's an that's seventeen thirteen or uh, yeah seventeen thirteen. West Virginia wins the football game. Yep. First, no, 
17, 16, sorry. 17, what about you? 17, 16, but whatever it would have been. West Virginia, it, it was enough points to win the football game. So you take yeah. away just one penalty, literally just one of those penalties, as many as we had. We would we would have won the football game. So to me, it, it doesn't come down to quarterback play. I thought in my mind, Jared Deggy played his best football game of the season by far. He made a lot more decisions that you see out of a mature quarterback that you've seen out of someone who takes care of the football more. Uh, I, and specifically, I noticed, you know, in one drive where he normally has been throwing it up in a double and triple coverage all season and getting, you know, picked off, which he did do early in the football game last uh, last night. He uh, he threw it away. And I was like, man, that's – I think I mentioned to you, I, I was like, man, that's maturity right there. Yeah. That's growth. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's – I did see a lot of good things. And, I mean, we, we'd be – you know, really, really bad if we didn't mention that WVU defense because they came to play last night That's, and they proved that they weren't only top of the Big 12, but one of the top in the in the whole country in my mind because if you can hang with what everybody's been saying is, you know, the top-to-bottom best receiving core in the whole country and shut them down, I mean, who's to say we can't, you know, go all the way to the Big 12 title game and meet these guys again? I mean, everybody on the WVU team is talking about it already, so. I don't know. As bad as down as I was about this game, I'm hyped up about the rest of the season. I've seen a lot of positives out of this football team last night. Yeah, I think I think that uh, when you look at it, I think those are the two best defensive lines in the Big 12 that played in that game uh, with Oklahoma's defensive line and West Virginia's defensive line. And I think that sequence that you're talking about was was very big. I remember, you know, if you follow along on the live tweets, I do that, uh, you know, throughout the game. Uh, when I can, uh, you know, first few games I was in attendance, but brought those back uh, for the um, Virginia Tech game. And then, of course, um, for the Oklahoma game yesterday, they were alive and well. And when that sequence happened, when we had the ball in the half-yard line and there was the false start, and then on third and goal, Bryce Ford Wheaton wide open, and Daggy don't see him till late, pass a little high, but still catchable. But Ford Wheaton can't come down with it. I tweeted right then. I said, circle that sequence because that's the type of stuff that may come back to haunt you uh, when you could have got six right there easily, you know, with the false start. And then again on the third and goal. And, um, yeah, and it did. It did come back and haunt you. That was, you know, one of the sequences. I think there's a, there's a few sequences you can look at late in this game that, you know, really did it. But to me, that's the one that stands out because you're on the half-yard line. You get the penalty. And then even then on third and goal, you've got the touchdown, but just can't can't quite get it, you know. And that's just kind of the theme of this game. You were just just couldn't quite close it out, I guess. Yeah. But and then of course we could talk, you know, on WV's final drive down to the 30, and you get the snap infraction penalty followed by the snap, which, you know, I've seen a lot of people on Zach Frazier, and I hate that. That's a guy that's a heck of a guy, and, you know, he heard Neil Brown have his back, and I think, you know, everyone needs to have his back because we don't really know the circumstances of whose fault that was. Zach Frazier's been a hell of a ball player this whole season. I don't think we should harp on him on one mistake in that type of football game in that big of a moment. I mean, you know, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of noise in the stadium, a lot of things being said throughout the defense and the offense. I mean, it's it's hard to tell. You know, as, as frustrating as it is, that wasn't the play, surprisingly enough, that cost us the football game. Like we said, it was Parker Moore's false start. So, mm-hmm. you know, even yeah. still, even with Parker Moore's false start, though, you you know, you have multiple chances to keep yourself in the football game. And Oklahoma, you know, arrogance driven, kept West Virginia, I think, in the football game as well because 
You know, they called a timeout when West Virginia ran all their timeouts out in the first half. Lincoln Riley's calling timeout to save time for West Virginia, you know, when they have the ball. So, I mean, I thought that was very very egotistical, uh, you know, so of Lincoln Riley's, ah, you know, it is what it is. All right. So, you know, know, West Virginia's, what I say was West Virginia's was given a lot of chances to win the football game. So, discipline really, really is what. I think we really is our biggest factor right now. Uh, that's yeah. I mean, you, you could argue that for sure. I think that um, it's just tough. It's a tough pill to swallow. I mean, that one hurts. You know, it's almost like I know a lot of people were expecting us to get blown out, um, myself included. If you listen to the preview show, but um, ended up being a heck of a game. But it's it's almost like would would you rather get blown out or have your heart ripped out at the end like that? I, I don't I don't know. You know, it's it's tough to say, but. I think the one thing you brought up that we got to talk about and the big talking point, it's got to be this offense for sure. Um, I don't I don't know what to make of this second half struggles. Um, I don't know if it's just the way it's going to be. Um, still no touchdowns against Power 5 opponents in the second half. Three points against Maryland. Three points against Virginia Tech. Three points against Oklahoma. What's going on with this offense, Stephen? I mean, they look good to open the game with the scripted series, and then it's just very vanilla, very I, – I don't know. What What are your thoughts on the offense as a whole, the second-half struggles, the two-quarterback system? Um, what are you thinking? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I feel really positive about it at times, and then I feel – I don't know what happens in the second half to make our offense stutter so bad because – Previously to this season, it was the opposite of this. So I really don't understand what's what's making our offense stall so bad. We come out red hot, and I think, like you know, like you said, it's those scripted plays that really get us going. But I think we just need to feed off of that, and we need to learn, um, you know, more so our offensive, you know, all our offensive staff as a whole needs to get together and figure out how to make adjustments to to the defense. Now, well, I will say that Oklahoma's defense. You know, was they played just as well as WVU's defense last night? In my opinion, they were they were top notch as well. But you know, going into next week, I think West Virginia needs to make that a very very strong point to score not one but multiple second half touchdowns and be able to close out games because that's you know even bigger than discipline. You gotta you gotta be able to score points, especially in the Big Twelve conferences with the you know the powerful offenses that you're going to be able to play. You know, you just came away from that game with your defense, you know, playing the way they did and keeping you in the football game that whole time. But over time throughout the season, we're going to get fatigued and we're going to get worn down. Our offense has got to be able to, you know, help our defense out and score points to where they're not on our heels so bad the whole time. Because that's what, you know, has happened in the, you know, against Virginia Tech, it almost happened. Our defense got, you know, Tired throughout the game, offense wasn't given enough, enough time, which I thought, you know, kind of was a positive in the Oklahoma game. The offense did come out with a game plan to, you know, run some time off the clock, and we got time of possession, and we won that battle. Um, but moving forward, we, we really got to learn how to consistently score points throughout the football game. And if not, we're going to lose not not two but or three, but a lot more football games. But it, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I do think West Virginia's on the right side up. 
Um, I, ho- I hope so. I hope you're right. I- I've got faith in this team, especially with this defense. I think that the defense has proven that it's just as good as last year's defense at this point. But the thing with me for the offense is this that's really sticking out. Uh, West Virginia had 12 snaps in the red zone yesterday. Uh, do you know how many carries uh, Letty Brown got in those 12 snaps? How many? One. Hmm. You know, in the past, in the three games against the Power Five, West Virginia's had 23, I believe it was 23. I think it's about that 23 or 24 snaps in the red zone. You know how many carries Liddy Brown has in those 23 snaps? Probably under five. Four carries. He's got, he's got two passes yeah. thrown to him, but he has four carries in the 23 red zone snaps. Now, I, I don't know. I know the field tightens up in the red zone and what have you, but if that's what you're trying to rely on, that's the guy, you know, you said you wanted to feature in your offense. Uh, why are you going away from him when you're in scoring position? You know, that's that's a question that I think deserves to be asked. And among Absolutely. a lot of questions ar- around this offensive game plan. And when, because when you see the creativity with the scripted series to start the game, when you see the creativity with the scripted series to start the second half, it just leaves you to wonder why are we not doing stuff like this throughout the rest of the game? You know, when the defense is making adjustments, why are we not making adjustments? And, and you know, why are we only being creative in our scripted plays? I mean, if, if that's the way that it's going to be, script the whole game, I guess. You know, I mean, it's the way I look at it. I know, I know that's hard to do, easier said than done, but something's got to give. You can't just be have, you know, your couple scripted series, you know, your first three drives or whatever, and then your first drive of the second half, and those look good. And then the other time you're just – what just straight vanilla, either hand off up the middle or throw a, throw a slant to Bryce Ford Wheaton. I mean, that was working all night last night, but people are going to key on that, you know, and it's, it's very predictable. Um, ran Letty up the middle a lot and ran Letty to the right a lot. You know how many runs uh, Letty had to the left side? I don't remember very many. Zero. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't think I remembered any. <laughs> so, so the play calling is uh, is it's an issue, and I think that it it has something has to be done there. Or like you said, this uh, could get disastrous, and you don't want to waste a defense like West Virginia has right now because that flashes back to 2010. Uh, you know, 2010, the Jeff Mullen, you know, Bill Stewart year. That defense well ended up being a top ten defense in the country, but had no offense. You had that Jeff Mullen offense, and that's kind of what it's uh, leaning towards right now. So something's got to give. But uh, let's uh, let me scroll up here. I'm going to catch up on some of these comments. Um, yeah, I've been trying to read some of them as well. Had a, got a few people in here. Uh, let's see. Dustin Reed says he did look good early on, I guess referencing Daigie. If he could throw over 15 yards, we'd be okay. Yeah, that's that's the issue. Daigie looks good on those interviews. I've saying all season, if Daigie can stick to those short to medium passes, then our offense – you know, can flourish. And it did last night at times. I thought you've seen our receivers make some really good, strong catches over the middle. Uh, they just couldn't get it in the yards after catch. You know, as soon as they caught the ball, they were going down, which, like I yeah. said, Oklahoma's defense was playing very well. Uh, but moving forward, I think that, you know, I think you've seen a lot of stuff off, out of West Virginia's offense that wasn't so vanilla last night. Even though, you know, we, we didn't score that much, I think you've seen a lot of sweet plays and a lot of end-around plays that you don't really see or haven't really seen early on this season. Uh, so that's that's one positive I'll take away from this offense. Uh, but, that, you know, anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's they they have to throw the deep shots, you know, keep the defense honest, but it's it's just – it's pointless. I mean – Yeah, but if you're throwing th- – throwing deep shots is one thing, but you have to have receivers that's going to be able to get separation downfield to be able to get, you know, to get those. And we've gotten that sometimes, but well, most we, of the time, Diggie's throwing but... in the double and triple coverage. 
and that's what's making you – know, that's why he's gotten most of his interceptions so far, in my mind, because he's throwing well, in types of covers like that. And when we've seen guys beat guys deep, the throws 10 yards over their head, you know, right, it's just not right. there. So I, I don't know what you do about that, but you can't tell me that Garrett Green can't do that and that Garrett Green, Garrett Green can't throw those slants to Ford Wheaton. And, you know, I've not been one on the start green train. I'm still not going to say that he should start yet, but you can't tell me that the running lanes don't open up more for Letty when you got the threat of that uh, play actually being pulled on that RPO we love to run. And when you run an RPO-based offense that you actually have the read that that doesn't help uh, with the running lanes and everything like that. And, you know, like if Daigie can't throw the ball more than 15 yards downfield, which I think we've all kind of seen him struggle, uh, the only thing that he really has on Green is knowledge of the offense and going through his progressions because I think Green can make every throw that Daigie makes uh, for sure. That's that's the way I see it. Well, that's, that's what I was getting ready to say. I think that um, I think Garrett Green, while I do believe that Jared Deggy should still be the starter, I do believe that Garrett Green does definitely, absolutely add a whole new dynamic to this offense that we really need uh, right now. And I think that, you know, moving forward, West Virginia really does need to invest in more of the idea of going with the dual quarterback system because, you know, we run Garrett Green a lot in the first and then you know in most of the second quarter but then you get in the third and fourth quarter i didn't really see garrett green come in that much he didn't come he did he didn't come in as much as he did in the first half i'll say that uh so i think that well i think a lot of that is uh just just the drives because it looked like they were trying to put him in once they got past about the 35 you know inside oklahoma's 30 kind of use him as like a red zone yeah it was more situational than anything right yeah Yeah, they had they they, you could tell they had a plan of how they wanted to do it and they're and that's that's one good thing you can say about it is they're very um detail oriented as far as how they're going to do it like neil brown said there's a science to it and and they're trying to utilize that and have that plan beforehand okay green's going to go in in this situation and not just be you know willy-nilly flipping them in and out all the time but um you know bradley in the comments uh in the comments there what's up bradley i miss you wish you were here with us but he says more garrett green and i think that uh pretty much all of us he's a gg fan yeah GG. Yeah. I'm 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 on the GG train now. I'm you know I've been reading comments all day about these quarterbacks though, but I'm gonna tell all you guys right now that are watching this, it's Nico's job next year. So whatever we do this year at quarterback, I'm telling you right now, it's not that it doesn't matter because you're gonna have a viable backup next year probably, but Nico is the man. I I would I would tend to agree with you. It's gonna be hard to hard to start a true freshman. I don't know. Hopefully the coaching staff will have enough trust to do it, but That's 100% true. think he That's should true. be the man. But, but hey man, hey man, we've seen it before. People are doing it more and more in the college game today. You know, I, I if a kid's got talent like I think he's got talent. I really do. If he's beating defense like that already in high school, it's not like he's beating little cupcake squads. He's beating already D1 recruits. He's beating the guys he's going to play next year. Yeah, I mean, that's true. That's true. I mean, and if you've got a guy that's talented enough, I think you take those uh, bumps and struggle through those bumps and bruises of him being a true freshman because it's going to pay off, you know, down the road. Um, Dustin Reed also says, I don't know if y'all listen to the ABC broadcast, but even Kirk was hyping the defense and the O-line was surprising him too. Yeah, I mean, that defense is is real, I think. I think, like we said, you know, in the preview show, I know we mentioned this would be the test to see how good this defense was, and, and they definitely passed that test. For sure. Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, we was all, you know, I think talking about how this was the litmus test for the WVU defense 
and if they were the real deal, because up to this point, I think this was the biggest test, not only this season, but in the last two seasons. Uh, so, you know, they by far passed the test in my mind. Uh, Fletch Annual says, y'all shot yourself in the foot once again. Life is a WVU fan, man. Uh, you think we'd be used to it right now, by now and expect it, but still always get your hopes up every time. Yeah, well, you got to believe one day that you'll be there. That's that's what's going to make it sweet eventually is when it eventually does happen and it you don't uh, fall short, then it's going to be It's not like, like West Virginia all hasn't these, been all there these before. Years this, I've waited for this. This is, a, you know, this is a common theme. I get it. You know, West Virginia does this year in and year out. But it's not like West Virginia hasn't made it to the national championship game before. They've been there twice before. So Facts. we can make it there again and we can win the game. We just have, you know, we got to stay with the team. Uh, Chris Mar- Marcheski says, Dickey can't score more than three points in the second half. Worse yet, his mistakes lead to big scores for the other team. That's very true normally, although last night they didn't they didn't lead to very many big scores for, for Oklahoma. I think our defense held very true and honest last night, and I think they did a very good job. And I really, I, what I really want to point out is uh, Jackie Matthews' interception. I thought that was, oh, man, what a play. Oh, amazing what a play. catch. Amazing play. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I understand the daily criticism. You know, we're you know uh, we're right there too. But uh, yesterday's game wasn't on Daggy. I mean, Daggy, no. Daggy had nine incompletions. He did have the one interception, but that interception ultimately amounted to a punt. I mean, it was third and fourteen, and they you know got it on their own twenty. You know, maybe get an extra ten yards if you end up punting on fourth down. But that turnover wasn't too bad. And uh, overall, Daggy wasn't bad yesterday in in general i thought that he actually played you know pretty decent and i don't think that that loss falls on daggy i mean the offense is in his hands i guess you know he is the quarterback but he's not the one uh calling the plays either and we've seen the offense struggle in the second half all season and i think it's just a bit of a trend right now um Bradley in the comments also says uh, the thing that impressed me most was the physicality, both offensively and defensively. Also, no one knows more about how bad that loss hurt than Zach Frazier. Uh, West Virginia kid knows how much it hurts. He'll rebound. Absolutely. Zach Frazier young, definitely rebound. Um, You've heard the first few weeks, Neil Brown seeing his praises, highest graded offensive lineman on PFF. Absolute stud Zach Frazier is, and uh, he's going to have a heck of a career, only a true sophomore. And has played very well up to this point. Yeah, I mean, the kid was the first true freshman to start at center in like 50 years last season. So the guy's legit, you know, people. And has switched around to multiple positions in his time at WVU as well. So, I mean. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, David Phillips says, I don't like the green subs, sub ins at all. How do y'all feel about that? Um, I mean, of course, I would love to just be able to have one guy and just green be that guy. Cause I think, uh, like I said, you know what you have with Daggy. Uh, green kind of gives you a spark. But I think right now it's just, it's just not feasible because I don't think that Garrett Green uh, knows the offense enough and can go through his progressions and knows how to read coverages enough for him to be the starter unless you're going to really uh, dumb it down and just run a ton of read option and just have him have a couple – like a, a route tree of like a screen and a slant, you know, hitches, something like that, just quick and limit it to one side of the field to where he only has, you know, two two progressions to go through rather than a whole thing because I don't think he's – Uh, capable of doing that yet you know so I think right now you know maybe two quarterback system isn't the best overall maybe not something you want to do long term but I think right now that's just where West Virginia is at because I mean that's just who you got not long term but like I said yeah I could be wrong I've been wrong before but 
it's you know it's my belief and you know people that i've talked to i really do believe it's nico's job next year so i do believe west virginia takes their lumps with whoever they've got this year which is why i believe a two a dual quarterback system would be positive for west virginia's offense moving forward i mean to me that's when our offense have been most effective Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i i'd agree with you steven and i think that you've got a guy that knows how to do it because look back at troy he did it for a couple years there and won you know 11 games in both of those seasons Mm -hmm. uh using two quarterbacks in almost every game uh so neil brown says there's a science to it and i trust neil brown to discover that science and you know i i didn't see any really big mistakes you know going on with the sub ends or anything like that and as long as you keep it uh, simple enough to where it's the same for your offensive line, just like Neil has said, that I think it's it's going to work. And I think what you're going to see, though, is you're going to see more green. I think he had six snaps against Virginia Tech. I don't know exactly how many he had this week, but I'd say it was 15 to 20 probably that he was in there. So uh, you're going to continue to see more green, I think, uh, moving forward. So And I don't think that's a bad thing. Uh, Will to Corbin in the comments as we went toe-to-toe with the number four team. Yeah, absolutely. Hats off. Um you know, I've seen a lot of people bashing Neil Brown, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. Um, you just went in and almost beat a team that you haven't beaten since joining the Big 12. Stuck with them all game, never trailed, and he's doing this with a below-average offense. So, uh, as Steven said, you know, maybe Nico's the guy, and I, I have great faith that he could be. Uh, what's Neil going to do when he gets an offense to go along with these powerful defenses he's had uh, these past two years? I think it begs the question. Yeah, that's that's the thing you got to wait and see because you know the the common theme for West Virginia recruits, especially the higher up ones, is they don't normally work out, and so that's what you know really worries me. But then with you know what really kind of really just makes me feel comfortable <coughs> comfortable with everything. <coughs> Excuse me, <coughs> comfortable with everything is you know you the games you watch of him, you know, against these types of defenses that he's played. Um, but yeah, I, I truly do believe Nico is the guy moving forward uh, next year and the next four years after or next, he probably won't stay four years. The kid's talented. Uh, but yeah, uh, David Phillips in the com- uh, David Phillips in the comments said an opinion of mine is uh Deggy would do a lot better if he would actually run the ball. Um, I, I actually agree with that. And, and I do believe that well, he, he did forward, it a couple times yesterday. He, finally. Yeah. Yeah, he did. And I, I, I think moving forward, you're probably going to see Deggy try to run the ball a little bit more. Um, I think it was, um, I think it was Jed in the, in the, in the pregame on WVU's on WV's network. He was talking about how, um, you know, you're going to see Jared Deggy start to run the ball as well as you're going to see, start to start to see Garrett green, throw the ball a little bit more because you're going to see competition in those quarterbacks on who wants to see the field on, you know, more occasions. Uh, so I, I do think that both of those quarterbacks are going to start doing things that is going to surprise some people, especially in, in the next few weeks, because you got a game against Texas tech and uh, this next week. And that's a great opportunity at home to at home to come home and prove what kind of football team you are, especially bouncing back off of a heartbreaking loss like that. And then you got to go on the road and play a tough Baylor team. Uh, that just beat a pretty good Iowa State team. So, yep. uh, you go. You still got tests coming up, and you can't fall off the wagon just because of that one loss. But I don't think this team is falling off. I think that they're bought in. I think that they're ready to, you know, to come to play. I mean, I, it wasn't just Bryce Ford Wheaton. It was, it was several, several, several. Players. Even Tyler Sumter, the punters, yeah. even in there, you know, competitive enough. Uh, to they were saying they again. got on there. If you guys didn't see, and they said, you know. We will see them again. It's okay. We'll see them again. So, 
um, in their minds, they're uh, they're going to play Oklahoma again, and there's only uh, one way one that way that, that can happen. happen. Yep, and I uh, I don't think we need to say what that would be, uh, but you can figure it out. Uh, Bradley Brown, we were well on our way to two TDs in the second half and shot ourselves in the foot both times. Um, yeah, I'd agree with that. You were about to finally, you know, get that monkey off your back. Uh, and, you know, that one sequence we talked about with the false start and then the incompletion to Bryce Ford waiting on third and goal ends up resulting in a field goal. So, uh, yeah, you possibly had a chance to finally do that. So I guess there is some, you know, improvement, you could say, from the uh, second half offense. Like I said, blah, blah, blah. Can't speak. And neither of us talk tonight. Can we? <laughs> can't, can't talk tonight. But specifically, that first drive of the second half, I thought they had did some innovative things. They, uh, I know they opened it up with the Sam James under center, kind of hiding uh, jet sweep. They had a triple option look with Reese Smith moved in the backfield back there with Garrett Green and Letty Brown, and that resulted in Letty's biggest run of the day. So. I think you're seeing some flashes, but just need more of that creativity throughout the rest of the game plan other than just the scripted series. Um, Will to Corbin says Daigie is the problem. Um, part Partly. I mean, you're a quarterback away from uh, having a really, really solid team. But uh, I, like we said, we touched on that a little bit. I don't think Daigie was really the issue uh, yesterday. Um Bradley Brown says Letty didn't have much room to run unless Green was in the game. Uh, agreed, agreed. I think we uh, touched on that a little bit. Uh, Green being in there, you know, a lot of those linebackers are staring at him, you know, and he's pulling those guys. Whereas when Daigie's in there, they know it's a straight handoff to Letty. They don't have to respect that uh, option part of the uh, read option there. Um, let's see what else we got here. Uh, Chris Marcheski says uh, he will decommit and go with the bigger school, talking about uh, Nico, I suppose. I've, I've heard a lot of people say that, especially uh, after his game on ESPN the other day, and I think he's got a couple more on ESPN, he'll say, but I, I don't believe that. Nico seems 100% bought in. He's been the biggest peer recruiter. He's been trying to get guys to WVU. He's talking to the other commits all the time. I think Nico's 110% uh, a Mountaineer uh, oh, come, come the spring because he's enrolling early. So I, I think he – yeah, I don't, I don't see that at all. Um, let's see what else we got here. Uh, uh, hi, mom. Uh, <laughs> mom, my mom jumped in the comments there. I had to, had to give a shout out to, to, to the mom, you know, um, Fletch Angel says, uh, Matthew should have had another one, but he was too worried about celebrating. Yeah. He about had, uh, two picks on the night. Uh, but, uh, you know, and I would have loved to get another one off Rattler. That's really what you needed. You know, you needed one more, I think, one more turnover, and uh, you could have done it. Uh, Dave Phillips says, one of our friends deleted me off Facebook for defending Day last night after the game. Hey, I'm telling you, Facebook uh, WVU fans are, are brutal. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, you can't, can't hardly talk to some of them. I know I got in. I didn't really get into it. I had a guy commenting on one of our uh, live tweets saying that uh, – Neil Brown and Shane Lyons were running the program into the ground. And so, I, I mean, I just res responded real quick with, uh, yeah, big, best recruiting class in school history and just almost had the biggest road win in school history in his third year with a below average offense. But, hey, if you say so, you know, because there's no, there's no way to reason with that. Yeah, so. People don't throw it. West Virginia fans don't throw in all these other factors. A lot of the times, man, you got you to gotta, you gotta think we don't have a lot of star-studded power on this offense quite yet. You know, we, we're – it's at least one or two recruiting classes away from what this offense is truly going to be. Dave Phillips also says that drop pass by Wheaton, Daigie threw the perfect ball. If he threw it lower, it had been picked, uh, referencing that third and goal. Yes, at the time they threw it, but also 
Ford Wheaton was back there doing jumping jacks for five seconds before Daigie spotted him. And that's the one thing about Daigie is he tends to lock on receivers. And, uh, you know, several times, you know, you'll hear it on the radio broadcast, uh, you know, Tony Greedy will be like, there's a guy wide open on the right side of the field. Daigie never looked away from the left. And and that's just kind of one of the bugaboos about Daigie is uh, sometimes he'll lock on to a receiver. And then other times you see him go through his progressions and do great. So it's just really a mixed bag with Daigie, just like you'll see him throw a great ball and then you'll see a few terrible ones. And so consistency's always been the issue, I think, uh, with the uh, let's see, got got some more here rolling in. Uh, uh, Dustin Reed says to what you just said about dumbing it down for green as far as plays. If you think about what we do in the second half, it wouldn't be much different. Our second half playbook is a run up the middle, run up the middle, slanting the screen here and there, uh, mixed in. Hold on, these things are flowing in quick. Uh, Scroll back up. Mixed in with an overthrown deep ball. I think Green can handle it once he gets some practice at it. It's hard to see what he can really do, only getting a, cu- a couple snaps. That being said, they should still start start Daggy. Um, I'd, I'd agree. I'd agree with you. I think that right now you have to start a Daggy. Like I said, I don't think Green is is ready, and I think that Neil Brown was kind of expecting him to be ready this year. You heard him mention. Um, in the post game, that uh, they thought that Green would be ready in the spring, and he wasn't. He's finally coming along now. So, um, yeah, I mean, but I think with Green, you would have to dumb the offense down even more. Maybe it's not too much different than what you're doing, but um, if you're dumbing it down to where it's only one side of the field and he's reading two receivers versus Daigie having four man four men on a pattern and going through a four man progression, it's it's going to make a defense and deep and deep a difference and defenses are going to be able to to key on that easier, I believe. Um, uh, yeah, and especially if you you know if for a kid that hasn't played football that long, you know, if he doesn't know how to read defenses and he doesn't know how to, you know, call plays that well, that's a learning curve. You got to take some time to adjust to that. So, I mean, really it's kind of not that surprising that he hasn't caught on to the offense that, that well yet. And because the D- division one playbook, especially as complex as an offense, as I'm sure they're trying to run at West Virginia, you know, I think, you know, even as simple as it is for someone like that, that hasn't played football, I'm sure it is pretty complex. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah. and that well, that's the thing with Green that a lot of people don't realize, and I think that's why Neil pointed that out following the Long Island game is that Garrett Green was, you know, he was a baseball player. He didn't have the traditional quarterback upbringing as far as he didn't play seven on seven. He is the offense that he was in in high school was a heavy run offense. They would throw the ball two to three times a game, and you know he probably had a one man route. Didn't have to go through any progressions, so he never had to learn how to read coverages. He never had to learn how to go through progressions. You know no, things that normal quarterbacks do, especially ones that are in passing offenses in high school. You know Goose Crowder was in offense similar to what West Virginia runs now. Neil said, and you know he already knows how to do that. So not only has Garrett Green had to learn the playbook, he's also had to learn try and learn how to read coverages. You know, when defenses are disguising coverages, recognizing coverages, going through progressions, it's all it's all new to Garrett Green as far as, you know, the quarterback things that are not just, you know, running and throwing the football. It's the mental side and the recognition side is all new to Green, which he's um, apparently coming on, you know, in that aspect. Oh, he is catching but it's still going to take yeah. some time. Yeah. I mean, and the guy, the guy's athletic enough to make up for uh, what he lacks in that department, I think, and that's the, that's the bright side of him and why you're seeing him get on the field despite that. The guy has a lot of potential. Um, Dustin Reed says, that guy on Twitter is crazy. Brown is building something great here. Absolutely. Uh, trust the climb. You know, that's what we've said uh, since the beginning here. And, we're and still Shane supporting Lyons. that. I have the utmost respect for Shane Lyons. Absolutely. I mean, the guy just did, what, $55 million upgrades to the uh, facilities, and then plus that's not including what they've done, uh, you know, 
on the basketball side of things as well as, you know, uh, to the stadium. You know, that's just what they did, you know, over there at the Puskar Center. So, um, yeah, and I noticed things when I drove on campus last week. You know, they, mm-hmm. you know, they've built something where the old field house was. I'm not sure what the building's actually called now, but that place is absolutely huge and it's beautiful. As I mean, as you can imagine, you know, the, the rest of the facilities there, but I don't know, it's a big place. Yeah, absolutely. It's like a, like a brand new modernized field house is what it looks like. All right, so uh, we're all caught up on the comments now. So here's a couple things I wanted to present to you before you uh, wrap this thing up, Stephen. All right, I'm going to ask you, the offense following the Oklahoma game, better, worse, or about the same as you thought it was? Better. I would What's say – I would say I know about, you disagree. About the same. Yeah, I would say I, but I, I, I don't want to. I'm not going to say worse because I felt like they did do some things. You know, that opening drive was impressive. As far as what but, I thought they were, is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As far word. as what you thought, like before the game, yeah. And then they're, versus they're after better, the game. they are better than what the, than what I thought they were. The um, while I thought that our biggest problem was not really knowing where we were, <laughs> I'm more, you know so to speak, I guess to say, because, you know, we were just turning the ball over left and right. I think our biggest problem is discipline. I think I really, truly do. I think if we get our, you know, those, those few mistakes figured out and learn how to clean up all those penalties, you win football games. I think you, you're probably undefeated right now if you don't have penalties like that. Uh, yeah. We got to be able to run the football. You know, we've, that's the one thing that's that's hard to well, we, we we're able to run in my opinion we're able to run the football we just choose not to and that's my biggest you know gripe with the whole thing is because Letty can and has been proven to run the football effectively especially in red zone situations and I have no idea why we just absolutely refuse to give the ball to Letty Brown in the red zone you know when we get down there and I then as soon as we decide it. to Parker Moore does get that you know that false star and that's yep. what makes it even more frustrating so, yeah, yeah it hurts yeah. but that's like i said i mentioned on the on the preview show west virginia since neil brown you know came took over in 2019 west virginia is nine and oh when they run for over 100 yards as a team uh didn't get didn't do that against oklahoma 67, 67 so uh you know you get Blood another 33 rushing yards seven yards yeah, that's why I said that's two of the, two is no of the best. Over. Yeah, two of the best defensive lines in the conference, right there. That's that's what you just saw going head to head. Was Oklahoma's defensive line is the real deal. That's why every time West Virginia got into a third and long, they could not convert because that defensive line could come in there with the pass rush, and they only had to bring three or four because that defensive line's strong. Uh, same as you saw, West Virginia run up the middle didn't have much success because that defensive line is uh, really talented. As is West Virginia, as you saw them doing the same thing to Oklahoma, Akeem Mesidor. Absolute stud. I don't think you can talk, say enough about uh, Messador. Yeah, Dante with a huge sack at a crucial time uh, showed up in a big way. And but Messador is just—he's been the guy all season for me on that defense. Even when he's not the one making the play, he's the yeah. one blowing it up so someone else can make the play. That guy's a stud, and he's only a true sophomore, so you got him at least another year. But uh, Messador's—he's—he's he's something. Yeah, I've been on—I've been on his uh, his side since last year. I've been—I've been a big fan of Messador ever since he stepped on campus because he really has been a stud ever since he's, you know, he got his yeah. first snap last year. Yeah. And that, that whole defensive line in general for West Virginia, just uh, really, 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 really good, which uh, leads me into my, you know, same question as far as the defense though, uh, better, worse, or, or about the same? Better, by far better. Oh my better. gosh. Yeah. yeah. yeah if, you say, if, if you say anything other than better, I'm smacking you. Uh, top 10 defense in the country. Uh, top five defense. 
Yeah, I mean, I you, they'll disrespect you my that. boys like that. They top five. <laughs> you could say that they're they're up there. I, I think this defense, you know, we thought they'd take a step back uh, as last year's defense, but I, I don't know that they have. I don't, you know, they're rankings wise, they if, may not be up there. You know, number one pass defense in the country again, but they're deeper this year. They're deeper. Oh, absolutely. I think if I'm Shane Lines, my biggest thing in this offseason is paying Jordan Leslie to stay at West Virginia. We I, need I, him. A, any, we need I, whatever him. it takes. I, and that's what I've touched on that before. I think whatever West Virginia needs to do, maybe not our offensive coordinator because, you know, there's some question marks there. We need to keep Jordan Leslie. I think Neil Brown needs to make it a point to get these assistant coaches the money they deserve and to keep them at WVU and not let them leave to go to another college for the same position for more money. You know, no, insert Jamal Adai here. All right. <laughs> I agree. I agree 100%. Which, uh, we'll, we'll wrap this up soon here. Uh, I'm going to run a little long, but a uh, lot to unpack with this one. Uh, but the one thing I wanted to ask you, I did hear this uh, presented, and I thought this was very interesting uh, that someone brought up, and I wanted to get your thoughts. Uh, you know, under Holgerson, the big thing was no defense. You know, we're putting up all these numbers. Our offense is great, but – we don't have no defense, and that's why we can't win these football games. Well, have we traded that for the opposite? Have we traded all offense, no defense for all 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 defense, no offense with Neil Brown? Or do you think it's just too early in Neil Brown's tenure and he doesn't have the pieces yet? Uh, what say you there? Uh, yes and no. I think I'm going to sound like a broken record here. I do. I said the same thing about uh, Dana Holgerson in this first two to three years in the Big 12 conference. I said that he needed to have time to get his recruits up and his, you know, his time to really see what his off his offense and his recruits can do. Uh, and I will say the same thing. For Neil Brown, I think the difference is Neil Brown actually cares about the recruits and the depth of his recruits um, and the quality of his recruits that he's bringing to West Virginia. I think he cares enough about winning football games that he wants to win on a consistent level and win championships um, and uh, maybe conference championships or what have you. But I do think that he wants to create that type of level of program. Um, and so I do believe that his recruits will be a lot better. And I think that, you know, that, it's a very true statement when you hear that the cupboard was left bare from Dana Holgerson when he left WVU, because I don't think that he left it in a place that they had a lot of depth at all. And even the ones that a lot of the ones that did, you know, that he did recruit ended up transferring out and leaving. Uh, so we're really, you know, we're only in Neil Brown's third season at WVU. And I mean, you could even with, with last year's shortened season, you know, that was, there was a lot of stuff that that created chaos there. So I, I really do think that not even next year, but the the year after, I think you're going to see West Virginia make a huge, huge jump in the talent that 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 they put on the football field and the type of product that you see uh, from all three sides of the ball. And and I think that would we would also be amiss to not mention the special teams play of West Virginia because to me. West Virginia, you know, although we've had Tavon Austin, Vaughn Rivers, you know, a lot of these guys that that have been really good return men in the past, um, it's not really been the kick return game, I guess, but more so the kickoff game. We haven't really been that great in kickoff coverage and or in special teams in, all, in the all-around phase. And while Neil Brown, especially this year, 
Neil Brown has got the special team playing like some dogs. That defense mm-hmm. and the special teams, we've already had two block field goals this season. And, I mean, they made me very hopeful that they were going to block that one on the last second last night. But, you know, it's, it's a whole different culture than what we have with Dana Holgerson here. Uh, and as, as high up as I was on Dana in his early on in his tenure at WVU, you know, you know things change. I, I really, truly believe in this staff that Neil Brown has. Maybe not the entire staff that he has, but for the most part, I believe in what they're building at WVU and what they've created. And while the offense may struggle right now, I do believe that they're on, like I said, you know, the right side up. And and I think in the coming weeks they're going to surprise a lot of people, including you, Cruz, uh, on, on how so. they on how they approach the game. Because I do think Neil Brown's a smart guy. He's very intelligent, and he showed it in the past on how he can adjust the teams and adjust the games moving forward, especially late in the football season. And that's what excites me about this guy is West Virginia. While I've been you know alive and been paying attention to this team, has not ever been a team that was a you know late in the season type of football team or more of an early on type of team and then fall off later in the year because we're dealing with injuries and depth issues. But Neil Brown's the type of guy that worries about those depth issues and more off and more specifically, you know, positions like the defensive and offensive line that's going to see a lot of injuries and a lot of, you know, rotation throughout the year. You need fresh legs and a lot of talent at those positions. I don't know. I could I could go on a lot about about what I like and what I believe in in this in, in, in Neil Brown and and the guys that he's got, but no, I, I, I yeah, I really do believe that we're in a lot better position, even though we've may have traded the defense for the offense. Um, even though I don't think it's more so, such a gray or white and black type of situation, I think it's more complex than that. Yeah, I think I think the thing that stands out to me um, at this point, yeah, you could you could say that at this point, but I think um, as Dustin Reed says in the comments here, we can't say that yet without all Brown's recruits. Yeah, I don't think that I think the jury's still out on that one until Neil Brown gets the pieces because you know by the way he's talked about his offense, by the way his offense is designed, that he needs a running quarterback. That's what he wants. He wants a dual threat quarterback in there in that system, and you know I think you're kind of putting a uh, what's it called? A round, a round peg into a square hole, or, or vice versa, with with having to use Kendall and Daggy. But like he's like you said, the cupboard was left bare, so he just kind of had to do what he could early on. And but I think the thing that stands out to me about it is uh, you're not getting blown out, e- even with the struggles you've had, and with uh, the depleted roster that Dana Holgerson left you with, and you know being outmatched on paper. He still finds ways to keep his team in the game up until late in the game. We saw that last season, even even in 2019. Uh, most games we saw that last season, you know, he's only ever been blown out a couple of times. And I think those couple of times was more a talent issue than, than anything. But uh, Neil Brown's going to find a way to, you know, be in the football game and give his team a chance. And uh, that what else do you want from your coach? You know, at, at that point, you know, just to have your guys ready and have a game plan that gives you a chance to win the game and keeps you in every game. It might rip our hearts out as Mountaineer fans if we're close in every game and uh, the losses makes the losses hurt that much more, but also makes you proud that you have a coach that gets your team ready and, you know, says we're not going to be blown out no matter who we play. Hey, and I will point out, I think even Bob Huggins took to Twitter last night and was yep, defending I Neil Brown. That. So he did. if it, 
Hey, daddy, sm- daddy has spoken. Okay. <laughs> yep. That's the king. That's the king right there. Yeah. The king has spoken. Everybody just needs to chill out. Just be patient. That's what, that's what we, one thing we need to the learn. Slogan's trust me climb for a reason. Trust, yeah. We just need to learn some patience, man. I mean, I, I, I know I do too. I'm, well, I, I'd say we'll get depressed that, like everybody else. Man, it's it'll be all right. We I'd get say, there. We will you know, 2019, 2020, you're really trusting the climb. I think this year, I mean, you're still trusting the climb, but you're starting to see you move up those rungs. You're starting to see you climb that mountain a little bit. You know, you beat a top 15 Virginia Tech team. You were right there, right there for yeah. the biggest road win in you school can, history. You can view year. it as this is the same old West Virginia. But in my mind, yeah, maybe. I I don't view it so much as that because the same old West Virginia would have seen a drop off on their defensive side of the ball this year from last year. You know, mm-hmm. with all the all the coaching changes that we've seen and the and the people that we lost with Tyke and all them guys. You know, our defense is right there, if not better than last year. So I mean, we're seeing growth. I, I think our offense even is better than last year. Our offense wasn't that, that great last year at all. I mean, Jared Deggy, you know, played by far better at keeping the football more secure and letty brown was a stud but other than that you didn't see the recap we had a lot of drop passes last year our offense was ineffective man shout out to the receivers they've they've looked good this they, year. Yeah. they've got their confidence yeah. they've got their swagger back yeah i do believe that I mean, your boy sam james he's he's looking good too yep and bryce ford wheaton best game of his career last night yeah if we can just get a rhythm we'd be all right like i said i think our biggest problem is discipline I think, I think so too. You know, it's it's it just comes. And they're showing up in big games. Both big games this year, they've shown up, and I think they just got a culture shock at Maryland. Even though it wasn't that rowdy of a crowd, I just think that you know what I mean. I think they thought they were gonna they were gonna win that game easily. Uh, Yeah, I do too. So, and I think Talia and uh, Raheem Jarrett came out and surprised them how quick they were. Yep, hundred percent. And Maryland's still you know undefeated. So you know who knows that may end up being a pretty good team that you lost to there, but. Uh, if you're just joining us, this is the has been the Oklahoma, you know, live stream reaction. We're going to wrap this up here soon. We'll take this, flip it into a podcast as well for uh, for the audio side of it anyway. So um, if you're missing it live, you can still uh, catch the replay on our podcast, which you can find on any platform. Just search uh, Country Roads Webcast. We're all over Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. And, of course, this week we'll have our Texas Tech uh, preview releasing on the podcast, and then also um, here on YouTube and, and Facebook, the video side for the video side as well. And then we'll have a reaction to, the, to that game streaming live again um, next Sunday. So if you're listening to this here in the future on uh, at potty on as a uh, man, we can't on talk <laughs> on the potty. You might listen to it on the potty, but if you're listening to the podcast format uh, and you want to catch it live. Uh, Keep up with our social media. We usually announce when that's going to be, but it's usually sometime uh, Sunday evening following the game. So if you want to catch the Texas Tech reaction live, chime in with the comments, you know, have some fun with us. Uh, just be on the lookout for our social media pages, uh, Twitter at WVU Country Roads and then Country Roads webcast on Facebook as well. But uh, before we head out here, Stephen, I thought, you know, I would get some early thoughts about Texas Tech. You know, we got the preview coming this week, so we won't get too far into the woods there. But the one thing I wanted to say was this was the big test for the defense, this Oklahoma game, and they passed it. I think Texas Tech is the big test for the offense. You've seen Texas drop 70 on them this week. So I think if you come out and you can't score a second-half touchdown against this team, and if you can't score more than, what, 24 points, you know, 27 we had against Tech, you know, get up maybe 30 this time. 
that uh, this offense just kind of is what it is. So this is a big test for the offense. And I think that if the offense doesn't do it against Texas Tech, they're probably not going to do it all year and uh, might not be the high hopes that we're hoping that it is following the Oklahoma game uh, for this team. So that's just kind of my early thought uh, Um, on the Texas Tech matchup. Yeah, I actually agree with you to a point on that. I think that um, I think this is like last week, the Oklahoma game for our defense was a litmus test. I think on the flip side, this is this week against Texas Tech is a litmus test for our offense um, in some ways. Um, so I do believe that our defense is going to be able to hold them a lot. I think to to me, the only effective player that Texas Tech has has had up to this point, or you know in this past weekend anyway was Serato Rick Thompson. And I think West Virginia will be, be pretty well adapted to, to be able to hold him and, and contain him throughout the day. So I think our offense really will have a lot of opportunities to get in there and show what they can do. So I think you're right. I think they need to, to show that they can score in the second half and score multiple times in the second half to keep the game, you know, out of reach and so that we can close games out because we, you know, we are a better team than Texas tech. And so we need to prove that this Saturday and prove that we can come off of a loss. Like we did out in Norman off of an emotional game. We can, you know, prove that we can bounce back from that. Uh, and, and what I agree with you to a point on is, you know, like I say, I do believe that this offense is on the, on the right way up, but I don't, think that if they if they don't score in the second half this weekend i'm on i'm i'm gonna probably flip over to your side and i I don't think we're probably gonna we probably weren't not gonna get it together all year uh but it is my belief that i think we're gonna get the ball rolling this weekend and and i think you're gonna start to see a lot of uh momentum start to build from this game moving forward because it's not no easy game after that going into baylor down there uh and waco a week after that so you do like i said you got a few tests coming up in the next few weeks with Iowa State and Baylor and a few of those guys. So I think we really need to uh, prove what our offense can do this coming Saturday. I agree 100%. It's a put up or shut up time for them, really. You know, the yep. offense has got to do something moving time. forward. Yep. Got check time for sure. Uh, that being said, we will preview that game uh, this coming week. You can find the audio on the podcast. And then the video, of course, will be here on Facebook and on YouTube. And those usually come out on Wednesdays, our game previews. And then our reactions will be on uh, Sundays. And we'll be live streaming the uh, Texas Tech reaction again next week. We'll be right back here, uh, same time, same place. Well, maybe not same time, but uh, same place. Uh, we'll let A you know the time maybe. on our – Yeah, probably, yeah. probably earlier. But uh, we'll let you know the time on our social media. So just follow along there on Twitter at WVU Country Roads and then on Facebook, uh, Country Roads Webcast. Uh, Anything else, Stephen, before we uh, jump off here? That's all I got, man. Like I said, I feel a lot better than I did last night just thinking about everything that happened in the game. But I don't know if I'm going to be rewatching that one for a few more days at least. I don't know if I, I, don't know if I could stomach it. It yeah, hurt about enough yet. live. So. <laughs> but yeah. either way, uh, Mountaineers are uh, currently 2-2 two and two and uh, be facing Texas Tech this weekend at 3:30 game be televised on ESPN2, uh, second Big 12 conference game for the Mountaineers. Uh, join us this week. We'll be releasing the uh, Texas Tech preview on the podcast on Wednesday. In the meantime, as always, I'm your host Jordan Cruz for my co-host Stephen. Till next time, let's go Mountaineers.